podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. Welcome to Run With It, where we bring you business ideas from proven founders. Each episode, you'll hear a new business idea and the exact steps our guest would take to get started. We're your hosts, Chris Justin. And Ethan Janney. And on today's show, we have Joe Applebaum. He's co-founder and CEO of Ajax Union, a digital marketing agency that was featured in the Inc. 5000 with a three-year growth rate of thousands of percent per year. Joe is a Brooklyn native. He's currently excited about Evergreen, a service that helps you generate leads and referrals on LinkedIn, network online and in person, close deals and achieve your goals. Most importantly for him, he's a family man who enjoys raising his five beautiful children. It's very impressive, Ethan, but you know that our show is about new business ideas. Joe, you've got one to launch a business on Amazon, Mom's Health. Welcome to the show and tell us about the idea you would like our listeners to run with. Thank you so much. I had my sister, she came over to me and she said, "Um, I really want to earn money on Amazon. And I was like, okay, like, why do you want to earn money on Amazon? She's like, because it's easy. Um, Amazon is one of the largest companies in the world. And so many people are finding great products and selling them on Amazon. And they're super, super, super successful. And I said, okay, that's wonderful. Um, what type of product do you want to sell? She's like, I don't know. I'll sell anything. I just want to make money. So she's like, how do I even come up with what I want to do? What I want to sell? I said, the first thing you need to do is you need to figure out your goal. How much money do you want to make? She's like, I'm not thinking about a hundred million dollars. I want to be able to buy a house and pay a good mortgage. I said, how much is a mortgage? We got into the whole thing. Basically she wants to make $180,000 a year. I said, okay, great. You can definitely do that by selling stuff on Amazon. And now before we get into what you're going to sell on Amazon, let's talk about your target market. She's like, what does that even mean? I was like, that's where a lot of people go wrong. Because if you want to build a successful business that has reoccurring revenue, what you want to do is you want to find products for a community of people that you're passionate about serving. And she's like, well, I would really want to, I'm always there thinking about solving problems for moms just like me. Because she's Jewish, she's a mom, she has five kids just like me, and she has lots of different issues that she has to face Um, And she's like, I'm like, wow, that's very interesting. I was like, you really excited? She's like, yeah, I love gadgets and I love furniture and I love mom's health and I love all types of stuff like that. And I was like, fabulous, fabulous. So let's come up with some product ideas that you can sell on Amazon and then we'll find out who sells those stuff. And 30 minutes later, we have a few ideas of things that we can test out because ultimately marketing is about testing. So I said, I said, how many moms do you have in your life right now? There's something called the Pareto principle um, that you get you know, a certain percentage of results from a certain percentage of, of the people in your life. So even if you had, a, you know, let's say a thousand moms, only 200 of them are really gonna be investing in what you're offering, like the 2080 rule. And I said, in addition to that, there's a Dunbar law. And she's like, what's the Dunbar law? The Dunbar law is that you can only really know 150 relationships at any given time in your life. And she's like, oh my God, I thought I had like unlimited, but really you're right. If I sit down and write, I maybe have 20, 30 people that I know off the top of my head. And I said, if you look through your phone book and you look through um, the kids in your kids' classes and the people that you see in the synagogue and like all that stuff, you'll probably come up with 150 people that you'd like to put into your list of prospects. And she's like, okay, now that I have the prospects, so I'm going to tell them to go on Amazon and buy something. I said, no, you're going to interview them to figure out what problems they currently face. 
And I said, this is how I built my multi-million dollar agency. This is how I was featured on the Inc. 5000, one of the fastest growing companies in America. I was building websites for people as a freelancer. I don't know if you knew this. I had a web design company and I was building about 100 websites a year. And I started just having conversations with my clients and potential clients. And what they told me is, Joe, you told me that if you build it, they will come. And it's not true. I was like, what do you mean? I built it. Didn't they come? It's like, no, nobody came. You built me a website. Nobody's coming. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You have to market the website too. <laughs> you can't just build it and hope that they'll come, right? A lot of people do that. They start a website and they're all excited about it. And then they're waiting and waiting and waiting. And what do they hear? They just basically hear crickets. And I would play the crickets here, but I don't want to bother Ethan too much. <laughs> I'm just going to cut in here real quick. We usually don't let our guests talk for as long as you have just up front. Yeah, you must be super charming to get away with that for so long. <laughs> No, but, but, what, you know, but what you've been doing, just to recap, is how to start an Amazon business. And, but what you've dealt with in detail is your sister's specific situation, being a mother, she didn't realize that that was an asset that she had that she could use to think about what kind of products she could sell. And then you've taken us into the territory of she's got to get specific. You've mentioned several times in here, specificity seems very important to you. You know, she was just general. She wants to make money. How do you want to make money? Well, how much money do you want to make? Now you've got clients. Who are the clients? How are they? How are they specific? You know, you used to be a web designer. You made websites. People did not come to them. And what you've learned is you need to be specific with your customers. You need to talk to them. You get to get to know them. So that's kind of where we're at. And I think we're doing great. And we're talking about the steps to build a business, which is really what we care about on this show. And if you want to talk about specifically this business, what do you tell your sister to do? How does she reach out to people? How does she start those conversations? And what does she pay attention to that really matters? Well, I, I want to take us into uh, in the side here because Joe, you have flipped our typical model. Chris, you can't do that. Bit. I just, I just <laughs> asked him a question. <laughs> I, know. I didn't like your question. I think your question is going to be fitting later. I, I think that those action steps are going to be are going to be important. But I, I think that it's worth pointing out that typically we talk about a problem and an opportunity, and it's all from the perspective of the customer. And what you have highlighted and, and may have deftly swept by the listener is that you don't start with the customer. You start with you. You start with what you want. And I think that's uh, been apparent based on the type of business that you have built for yourself. You're managing five kids. You're still, you take them to school every day, I think I've heard. Every day. You uh, slept nine hours one night, <laughs> which is, you know, to have uh, multiple businesses and that level of success that you do uh, while still maintaining your, your personal life. You got Chris beat. He still has his sleep problems he's working on. Yeah, well, we can talk about that. I wrote a book um, called High Energy Secrets. So if you want to learn how to sleep better, I, we, we can have a chat about yeah, that. Yeah, hook me up, man. Nice. Yeah, so I, I think it's worth yeah pulling that apart. I mean, this episode could have turned into a, a five-minute one if you just laid it, you, you're, you're just going to lay it all out there for us. We got to <laughs> gotta give the listener a little bit more to- uh, I love to talk to about tease. that a little bit. I, I think I want to talk about both things. I think both what you're, what Chris, what you're talking about and what Ethan's talking, uh, the question you both asked are really, and I think they're kind of related also. Um, if you take a step back from, from making money, because nobody, I, I, uh, I just talked to my coach today. I have a sales coach that I talk to every two weeks. And he said, nobody works for pieces of paper with dead pictures of dead presidents on them. Nobody works for green pieces of paper with pictures of dead presidents on them. And that like, like got me shocked. Like I was like, wow, that's so good. I have to repeat that. 
because people don't work for money. They work for what money can do for them. And although we all know this intrinsically and it sounds like a sales pitch, the reality is we really have to ask ourselves, what type of life do we want to live? And you know, you're asking questions to your customers about what problems you want to solve. You have to ask your questions to yourself. You have to ask yourself, what do you really want out of life? Because often we think we want one thing and we're living literally just for to make our parents proud or to make our neighbors happy or to make people feel comfortable with who we are. But the reality is that's never going to make you happy trying to define your success by somebody else's standard. So figuring out what you really want for yourself and what's really going to motivate you to take that action when you're not getting results. When I started my business, I spent a whole year not getting results. A lot of people think, oh, he just went off and he was successful until I was specific, like you mentioned, where I had one problem with one partner and offered one product to solve that problem. I was able to go deep and service over 1,100 clients. But before that, I was everything to everybody. It wasn't solving one problem for one audience. It was kind of just like a, a, a smorgasbord of marketing features because I, I was afraid. The truth is I was afraid. I had a tremendous fear. And this fear I see in a lot of people, the fear of just not having abundance, the fear of someone asking me for something and then me pigeonholing myself into a niche or to one feature or one product or one service. And then somebody comes and asks me to do something else, or they won't ask me to do that because they think I only do something else because I niched out. So at the end of the day, the most important thing that you need to do is figure out what do you want to do in this world with your life? You've been given a gift. Everyone has been given a gift to be alive. And all the talents that you have are basically the gifts that you've been given in order for you to serve the world and not just serve yourself, but make a difference. Leave the world with an indelible mark. You never know the day that you're going to die. So what are you going to do? Just try to make money? There's a lot of ways to make money. But if you can also make an impact, who do you want to make an impact for? What do you want your lifestyle to be like? It's one of the questions that we ask our students at Evergreen. Before you begin LinkedIn, ask yourself, what do you want your lifestyle to be like? For me, I don't want to work in my business. When I started at Ajax Uni, that was one clear indication. I want to work on my business. Again, I'll say this again. I used to work in my business, doing all the work, closing the deals and doing the work. I had that epiphany that I need reoccurring revenue and I need to work on my business and hire people. So when I sell... I go and sell for other people to do the work because I don't enjoy doing the work. I enjoy spending time with my kids. I enjoy having conversations. I enjoy hiring people, managing them. I enjoy all the creative stuff. I don't really enjoy doing the work and you have to do what you enjoy. So I told this to my sister. She asked me the question, how do you even get started? Who do you even ask questions to? I said, friends and family. She's like, oh, but you don't do business with friends and family. And I said, did I tell you to do business or did I tell you to investigate? Because they'll be honest with you. Friends and family will be honest with you. So the easiest people to interview is my wife, my sister, my cousin, my aunt. Interview them. They're your target market. Interview them. Interview your neighbor, your friends, the people in your school. I'm just going to step in here and bring in uh, a comment from... We, so we had a previous guest on the show uh, who wrote a book called The Mom Test. And actually, the, the idea of the book was you can't talk to your mom about your business idea because she's going to be like, Oh honey, of course I'll buy it. You know, I'll buy 10, sign me up for a box, you know? So 
I'm curious just to just dive a little bit deeper into that, what you're saying. You know, I, I see that there's some val- value in what you're saying that your friends and family can be of assistance, but, and you said that they'll be honest with you. I, I would agree that your friends and family will be honest with you in action. So like, they'll tell you something's great, but you know, if you invite them to your event and they don't show up, you'll be like, oh, okay, my friends and family, you know, politely just didn't show up and they're, they're showing me that this is not a good idea. But what are the nuances there? Because there's, impo- there's an important part. If your friends and family oftentimes will lie to you. <laughs> they will lie to you if you tell them, is this a good idea? If you, that's, that's, but they will not lie to you if you ask them what their day-to-day problems are. If you say, hey, do you like my book? Oh, your book is great, Joe. I love your new book, High Energy Purpose, How to Live 100% of Your They'll read it. Maybe they won't read it. Maybe they'll read the first few lines, but next level. Oh my God, Joe, I love it. I love it. I love it. This is going to be a best seller for sure. Don't ask them that question because they're going to lie to you hundred percent. And if they don't lie to me, I'm going to be offended. So please lie to me and tell me how amazing. (laughs) Okay. I love that. I love that. But when I ask you what your problems are, a random person are going to lie to you and say, Oh, everything's fine. I don't have any problems, but your friends and family, they're going to literally spill their guts out. My sister actually told me, she's like, all right. She started asking her friends and family and they started coming to her with real problems that strangers wouldn't be able to trust her with. Things that are intimate, intimate problems that they were having in their life, like really private things, private issues. Um, Some of them psychological issues, some of them, you know, issues with having a child who's, you know, autistic or having uh, issues with uh, breastfeeding and, you know, things that are really private. You know, someone's not, you know, a stranger is not going to tell you, Hey, I'm having an issue and I need a lactation consultant. And I wish I had this extra like thing that I can put on my whatever so that I can have an easier time. And she found problems around the whole world of breastfeeding around the whole world of keeping kids that are autistic busy. And she started coming up with issues that her friends, her neighbors, her cousins, her aunts, like people that she was started interviewing, she started coming up with issues and ideas that were products and services that can be sold both on Amazon, on eBay, on a Shopify, through a Facebook Live. And she started coming up with all these ideas and she's so much closer to doing $180,000 a year in terms of a conceptual idea. Whereas before she's like, I just need a product to sell on Amazon. And she came up with total vagueness now she actually has something viable that she can go out and say, and I, and I asked her, I said, how many customers do you need to get to your goal? And she's like, depends on how much I'm going to be charging. I said, I love that. I love that. So how much can each person afford to pay you let's, um, to be able to do that? She, she's like, let's say 80 bucks a month. I said, what's 80 bucks a month? She's like a thousand a year, according to my calculator. I was like, perfect. So in order to make $180,000 a year, how many customers do you need to service every year? She's like, oh my God, I only need a hundred customers. Is that possible? And now it becomes a reality for her. She's like, oh wow, I really have to do the math. One of the things that Grant Cardone, I don't know if you ever heard of him, but he's a big sales trainer. He tells all salespeople to do, he's like, do the math, do the math. Because if you do the math, you'll know exactly what your activity needs to look like. If you do the math, you'll know exactly how many leads you need. If you do the math, you'll determine if what you want to earn in your life and your business and your current position is realistic or do you need to make certain shifts in order for you to get what you want? Most people are not doing the math because they're not living in reality. They're living in dreamland. They're not being specific. They're like, I want to feel good. I want to be happy. I want to make as much as possible. But as much as possible is hope. And hope is a great thing. It's just not a great strategy. Yeah, this sounds useful from your perspective as someone coaching uh, your sister, right, into this process. Don't say, 
okay, let's have you work with moms, you know, right? No, you say, who, what do you know? What are you good at? And she comes up with the things from the perspective of the listener, as they're starting a business, how they, can they use this? Is it, you know, cause they're not trying to show somebody else how to start a business. They're trying to actually start the business. Is there a way that they can implement this into their process of building the business, whether it's, you know, selling or interacting with other people, what are the ways that this plays a role in someone starting a business? Yeah. It's kind of like discovery. When you discover some, I was talking to my sales coach this morning. <laughs> One of the things that he spoke about is like when you're coaching your sales rep, listen to a call with them and then ask them, what did you do? Great. And let them come up with what they did. Great. And then ask them, what did you do? That wasn't so great. And let them come up with the problems. And often they'll come up with the problem instead of you telling them the problem, they discover the problem. Then you can coach them and then role play with them into making sure that you adjust that problem. So Allowing the person to discover their own issues is the key for them to have the epiphany because when you're told, when you're told what you did wrong, that's criticism. And your ego is not going to hear the criticism as a self-defense mechanism. You just don't hear the criticism. But when you discover it on your own, it's not your ego, it's your awareness. It's the opposite of your ego. You suddenly have consciousness. You suddenly have awareness. You suddenly have the power to not change because the more you change, the more things stay the same but you have the power to transform. Awareness transforms us. Just like light transforms darkness, it doesn't change the darkness. The darkness will come back once you remove the light. It transforms all the darkness. Even a little bit of light will transform all the darkness into light. You'll suddenly see, you're suddenly able to see things. The same thing with the process of discovery. That's why the Socratic method works so much better than the dogmatic method. If I overpower you and tell you what to do, you might do it, but you're not going to learn. But if I influence you through questions, through investigation, you're going to then start thinking differently, come up with the, um, with the idea yourself, and as a result of that, you're much more likely to comply and to live a better life. This, this works with all my kids as well. So we're taking this concept of, of asking questions as a leadership role. You know, you use it in sales, you use it with your sister trying to help her start a business. But we can transfer that to being inquisitive, number one, about your customers, right? So you're talking about your sister. She's talking to the potential clients you would have, not asking them, is this a good idea? But saying, what's going on with you? What are your problems? Like, how does that really work? And having a lot of questions and not pretending like she knows what they need or has the answers. And then on top of that, you're saying there's a kind of way of asking yourself questions and going into the details of what you think you already know and asking yourself like, where are there more details here that I have unclear? Is that a good recap? Also, when you're getting information from people and you're often going to get advice from mentors, coaches, consultants, strategists, gurus, don't, don't like write people off if you already know what they said. Don't just write that idea off because if you're hearing an idea, you're meant to hear that idea again. Sometimes I hear the same speaker give the same speech five times and every single time I hear it, because I come with an open ear and an open mind, I hear something that I didn't hear before. Often I'll read my own book multiple times and every single time because I'm reading it with a curious eye. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, oh, I know this already. I want to cut in here. I want to, I just want to, I want to highlight again, you've you got a lot to say and I want to make sure that there's like a, a, a summary here <laughs> so we could pay attention. Uh, something very interesting you, that you noted about reading, say your own book multiple times or going back to something that you're hearing multiple times. I know I had a conversation with, um, 
the, a guy that's basically in charge of sales for Eben Pagan, who's been very successful with sales online. And he worked with Chet Holmes, who wrote a book called The Ultimate Sales Machine. And he, Chet Holmes amazing. worked with, you know, Warren Buffett's partner, Charlie Munger, you know, did amazing things with sales. And I asked him about him reading that book. And, and, I, and he said he had read that book multiple, multiple, multiple times. And he had underlined and went through it so many times he could recite the names of sections, the name of chapters and so on and so forth. And I think that's a really good exercise for any listener who wants to get anywhere with anything. Take something that you feel like you just keep hearing over and over again. And you're like, ah, I keep hearing it, it's BS or I don't really get it or it doesn't make sense. Go in and read that book about it another time and underline and get deeper into it and see what else you find. I think that's a really interesting way to approach things. I want to ask related to that, how valuable do you think an exercise like that can be without the, without a goal of let's say becoming an entrepreneur or uh, improving your relationship, even without some goal, it seems to me like it's harder to internalize the messages from the, uh, the books that you're reading? Well, it depends on ultimately at the end of the day, there's something about going deep with a concept. There's something about going deep with an idea. So like, I'll give you an example. Um, there's a guy, David Allen, he wrote a famous book called Getting Things Done. And if you haven't read his book, I highly recommend it. It's mandatory reading for all my employees because our competitive- You're preaching to the choir. All, all I hear about is getting things yeah, done. Yeah, I talk about it all the time. With, all uh, with about. And I know you're a <laughs> fan too. So. Okay, great. But my point is I've read the book in the past and I just got nothing out of it. And I was like, yeah, I know this stuff. Of course, Inbox Zero, we all know it, blah, blah, blah. But then my coach asked me if I really read it. My coach asked me several years ago, he's like, Joe, did you really read the book? Like, did you really read all the chapters? Did you read the stories? Is your mind really like water? Like, do you use your- and I was like, you know what? The truth is I didn't go deep. And then he's like, you know what? I, what I, I want you to do an exercise. I want you to ask five of your closest entrepreneurs a couple of questions around what they like about you, what they like most about you, and what are some things that they might not be able to trust you with, you know, things like that. And so I asked these questions to 25 people. And one of them said, Joe, I hear you starting a lot of books, but how many of them have you actually finished? And that my mind was blown from that question because I wrote down that question, underlined it and circled it and asked myself that. And I went back to the bookcase and I said, you know what, let me take getting things done and really take a deep dive. And it was so hard to really read every part of it because it's just a difficult book to read. And I finished, I forced my, we were on vacation in, in Aspen and I just forced myself to read the whole thing. And then I read it again and then I read it, underlined it and then started highlighting and I started getting really excited because I've seen, I saw, started seeing things that I just never saw before. And I was like, this is insane. And I've never, and before I did that exercise with getting things done, I never really had the time <laughs> to read a book for a few times. I was like, I, I need the next one. So reading, reading um, Think and Grow Rich, the 13 Principles of Riches, or reading The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People more than three or four times, like going through that, really sharpening that saw, that's something that really changed the way that I view focus and going deep. So it's nice to go wide. It's nice to have a, a, you know, to, to have a nice network, but it's also very important to learn the power of focus. If you want to create that diamond, you got to polish it. Do you think that you could have, uh, do you think that you could have achieved the success you had by skipping the going wide phase? Cause I know you talked about previously, you had seven businesses going on, you were at the watchery and you uh, found this one with Ajax Union that took off. And, and at that point, it seems like you went deep. Yeah, I think I could have had this level of success without the going wide. I just, it's my personality to go wide. 
And because it's my personality to go wide, I'm going to do it either way. I'm just, it's something that I'm going to do naturally. Some people, their personality is just to go deep. And for them, they need to challenge themselves to go wide. It depends on where you need balance in your life. There are people that are just not the visionary types of people. So they need to hang around with people that go wide. Maybe you just don't have that. Maybe you're an integrator, maybe you're an operator, but you're entrepreneurial. That's fine. Find the person who's bouncing off the walls and, may, and have them go deep with something and teach them. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not going to say that I was successful because of me. I was successful because of the people that I chose to hang around myself and actually uh, modify and transform the way that I operate to operate a little more like those people, but still bring everything that I have to the table. So it's the sum of like my partner, my brother, the people, my clients, my mentors, my coaches, the books that I read. That's what really truly brought me to success. So if you're bouncing off the wall, like a, something, there's a book called Idea Monkey. Buy the book, read the book. It's a pretty good book. It basically tells you that every idea monkey needs someone who will tame them. What's the person in the in the circus that like whacks the monkey? So, like the Chris is my idea monkey. Chris is my idea monkey. <laughs> yeah, I, I can say with that. I'm going to play the idea monkey right now. Actually, let's let's bring this back to the idea that we're talking ah, about here. Shit. <laughs> you set me up too well for that. All right, so recounting a little bit here, um, someone's coming to you and they want to start a business, you take them through, what are you looking to achieve? Get really granular in how much money you want to make, really granular in the type of people that you want to serve. Start talking to those people to understand the problems that they're facing, right? That's the point that we're at right now. Um, take us through the next steps. Oh, and realize that you're going to fail trying to solve those problems for those people a lot. I'll give you an example of that, and I'll show you what I did. So, I knew that LinkedIn worked for me really, really well. And I wanted to start providing services around LinkedIn. I just didn't have the exact idea of what I was going to do, but I knew that LinkedIn was important because Microsoft invested $26.2 billion on LinkedIn. So I decided that, you know, one of the things that I love is expanding my connections on LinkedIn strategically. So I'm going to offer a LinkedIn prospecting service and I'm going to start interviewing my customers and I'll go through this whole process. I knew how much money I wanted to make, how many clients, I hired sales reps. I did the whole work, right? Nobody bought Nobody was interested in buying. People said, it's a great idea. I love it. My friends and family said, it's the best thing. They told me what their problem is. And we tried it. We had one guy, we said, you know, we'll give you a seven day trial. And if you like it at the end of the seven days and one person out of the hundreds of conversations that we had, one person said, he'll do the seven day trial. And at the end of seven days, he's like, you know what? I don't really see the value in this. It's a nice to have, but I'm not paying for it. So if you want to do it for free, Joe, you're welcome to use my account and expand my account and prospect, but I'm not looking to do that. And then I said, you know what, let me go back to the drawing board. Let me look at other problems and let me try to solve a different problem. And what I found was a common problem with a lot of the people in my network was that they didn't have a strategy for LinkedIn. So they're like, can you, don't do it for me, but help me with a strategy. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to fire the sales reps that I had because they obviously didn't work and I'm going to do this myself. So for 90 days, I had five conversations every single day talking about the strategy, talking about, and my team was like, we're not even going to launch this product, this, this LinkedIn product until you get people that want to buy. And they said, you know, 10 people that want to buy. If you get 10 people that want to buy, we'll make a landing page. We'll support you as a team. But until then, yeah, let's just keep it with our funnel idea that we have right now and not offer another product. And I was looking for a lead in product. Anyway, bottom line is I created an article that came up with this new idea based on the problems that they told me. I made a little YouTube video and I started having five conversations a day. I would reach out to hundred people a day and I did this for 90 days. 
quick question just to clarify. I know I know you're going to finish that sentence, but when you talk about the article and the YouTube video, what were those? Those were something that were attracting people? Just or? a description. Yeah, just a description of what the offering is. So what I would say is I would have a conversation with someone, talk to them and ask them all the questions and say, hey, do you have a good strategy? Is it written? Do you do you think that this would be valuable to you? How much value? Would it? And we get into the whole thing. I was like, do you want more information? I could send you a LinkedIn article and a video that I created. I'll happy to email it to you, read it. And if you're interested in more info, We'll set up another call to see how we can get started. So that was after the initial call. Got it. And after the initial call, during the initial call, if they saw that they had it, most people were not interested. Most people were like, ah, it's a good idea. But in the first month, I closed 10 deals. In the second month, I closed another 10 deals. And in the third month, I closed another 10 deals. So in 90 days, I had 80 conversations a month and I was closing 10 deals a month. And I was like, holy crap, this is a great product. So I started increasing the price and increasing the price and increasing the price and adding more value and increasing the price. And I got it to a place where it was too expensive and people stopped buying. So I lowered the price and I got it to a sweet spot where we get the right amount of customers and the right type of customer. So the cheap one was a little too cheap. The expensive one was a little too expensive. So I found the right price. And now we offer a new product that is our lead-in product called the LinkedIn Authority Blueprint. I came up with this idea and this idea itself could be a business on its own. It's not, it's a lead-in product. And for those that don't know what a lead-in product is, a lead-in product is if you have a product that's less expensive than your primary product that gets people in the door because there's so much value, but you still make profit off that, it's a great product to sell. So our LinkedIn Authority Blueprint helps CEOs, entrepreneurs, sales professionals be able to have an actual strategy for LinkedIn. They get a content calendar, an asset library, a connections dashboard, we optimize their profile, we give them messaging scripts, we give them lots of different things. So now they have a written strategy for what they can do on LinkedIn to be successful. Now, the key for this is that after we do that for them, we then sell them our next thing, which is our marketing funnel, which is working with customers. Typically, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue for our business doing that. And I've successfully closed a blueprint and then converted that close into working with their company to do a much bigger engagement, and it worked. Idea monkey's got to jump back in. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. And I'm also confused. Is the idea monkey the person who has too many ideas or the monkey that comes in and punishes you for having too many ideas? According to the book, according <laughs> to the book, idea monkey, the idea monkey is the entrepreneur that has too many ideas and the ringleader oh, the is ring the person leader. who rings okay, Chris them is in. my re- ringleader. I'm the idea monkey, but I will bring us back on track. <laughs> and that is, uh, with the Amazon business idea, right? Starting a business on Amazon or really whatever it's going to lead to with your sister, would you recommend that that was a great a step for her to take or the listener to take? Do 90 call or do what was it? Five calls a day for 90 days. And in those calls, try to kind of sell people a, pr- a product that you modify or w- what, do you, what do you think? So first, what you want to do is you want to find a problem that you're passionate about fixing for your target audience. So the first step is speak to your target audience, figure out what their problems are, and then find a problem that they believe that if they solve, they would be able to put a sticker price to it. I'll give you an example. In her case, she came up with the idea of My kids are bored after school, they're home, it's a pandemic, nobody can go anywhere. So she wants to provide them with activities that they can sell, they can buy books on Amazon and pencils and like preset activities for after school with a little community. And I said, would that allow them to spend 80 bucks a month? She's like, yeah, for a family, 
you know, for the type of mother that she's targeting that has multiple kids, they'd be happy to spend 20 bucks a week, which is 80 bucks a month, which is a thousand bucks a year. And I can easily get 200 people to do that. So that's $180,000 in revenue. And it's reoccurring revenue because every month she's selling them books and she's selling them pencils and she's selling them activities and it's part of a community and it's a whole thing. And she came up with that idea by having conversations with people. Now, once you have the idea, then create an article or a landing page and a little video start having conversations with people and then send them the information to review. And if they want that, then you can get them signed up. But don't go create a whole website and start marketing brochures and logos and hire an agency and build it and they will come. Don't do that. First, close X amount of deals. I told her that in order for her to prove this concept and for me to believe that she can get 180 clients, she needs 18 clients. So she's like, okay, if I can get 18 clients, then invest in a brand, then invest in a proper sequence and email automation and in a whole thing. But before you do that, go get your first 18 clients. And if you can't get even, if you can't get five, and I said, by the way, I'm a client already. I'll be a client. I'll be your first client happily. I'll pay you a thousand bucks to take care of my kids for the year <laughs> after hours, you know, send me the activities and all that. Cause my kids love to draw and all that stuff. Good question. And I, I think I'm, I'm noticing a potentially common problem with entrepreneurs. And, and I think since you've had so much business experience, me able to speak to it, somebody starts out and they say, I'd like to make $180,000 a year. That's the number we picked. You did some calculations, find out this is how many customers you need to have. And you've done all that. And then you realize this business is going to have some overhead, right? Oh, maybe I have to pay, you know, Amazon seller fees. I've got the pencils. Where do they come from? I've got to pay like a commission on those, you know, I've got to have a web hosting, all these things. Can you give people an insight on, you know, how to account for those type of things in your calculations? So is she saying, oh, I want to make a hundred thousand, I'm going to spend 80,000 in overhead. Is there like a percentage? How, how do you recommend people think about that in terms of calculations? When I talk to people and I say, there's a take home amount of money. Um, and then there is the amount of money that the business will operate. So if you have a business, a business on average is going to do net profit, let's say 5% right? 10% if you're doing really well. If it's super managed well, you're going to have 20%. Businesses don't make a lot of net net profit, but then there's the operator expense. And if you want to run a company officially, you can have a business that generates 200,000 and you take 180 as the operator, you're doing all the work. But if you want a business that you're not operating yourself and somebody else is operating, then it's a whole nother conversation. Most of this conversation is about an owner operator that their cost, there's a concept called cost of goods sold. And what you want to do is you want to make sure that you, you figure out what salary you want to take home, but first figure out the top line revenue you want the business to make and then figure out, okay, speak to an accountant or a business coach or a business plan or somebody to support you to create a, a simple model, even on the back of a napkin, of what it costs to acquire a customer. And once you close the customer, what it costs to service the customer. There's a concept called fixed costs and there's a cost of goods sold. And I always educate people on that very important for them to know the difference between a fixed cost and the difference between cost of goods sold. Fixed costs is the cost of doing business, like getting your office. You still need to pay $500 or $5,000 a month for the office, whether you have one person or five people. You still need that office. You still need the equipment, whether you're servicing 10 customers or 100 customers. But at a certain level, to get to the next level, you need to make a further investment. So to have 10 employees, you need an office that pays you 5,000 fixed costs, but to have 100 employees, you need an office that costs 15, 20,000 a month to, um, to be able to service those people. So really figuring out your top line first or for where you wanna to get to 
will help you be able to figure out, can I afford to get there and how fast can I afford to get there in terms of cash? Ajax Union was able to grow at the speed that it grew is because the model that I set was prepay only. So if you want me to serve you, you got to pay me the first of the month. So before I do the work, you already paid me. So my CCC, my cash conversion cycle is very, very, is a, a positive, not a negative. This is something that somebody didn't tell me when I started my business. And we were actually negative cash flow. Even though we had all this stuff, we were growing faster than we could afford to grow. And I didn't think about this. And I didn't hear Tony Robbins in my whisper in my ear saying, most people overestimate what they can do in a year and they underestimate what they can do in a decade. And I wish he would have told me that when I started my business, because I was just thinking about the next year. I was just thinking about the next 90 days, the next, I wasn't really planning for 10 years. And if I would have planned, my business would have grown so much faster because I would have slowed down on the front end and been more profitable and had more cash. Instead, I ended up doing things like getting an investor and I, I, I did a lot of things that I don't regret because I learned a lot from it, but I wouldn't have done because I had a very successful profitable business, but I didn't understand the difference between profit and cash. I think that's a good point here for us to, uh, to wrap up. We are coming up on time. It's been great. We've been all over the map here, by the way. I just want to say we went from the nuts and bolts of starting the business, which we laid out like some really great action steps within like the first five minutes. <laughs> we derailed you from that. We took you into some other other areas, just kind of giving some general insights. We talked about some things that you've experienced that are useful. And now we're getting uh, almost like a, a business accounting session 101 here. So <laughs> lots yeah, of great pleasure. stuff. Thank you so much on that, Joe. So to the listener out there who is on board with Joe's, with Joe's philosophy, Take some action, follow through on some of the steps that we talked about. There are a lot of mindset actions there. There's a lot of tangible things and talking to, uh, to friends and family and understanding how much money you want to make. Follow through on that. Let us know what you've done. Email us at update at runwithit.fm. Give us some feedback on this episode. Joe, where can listeners go to learn more about you? It's very simple. Go to my LinkedIn profile. Go to joelinkedin.com. Um, if you want to connect with me, I have over a thousand people waiting to connect with me right now. So make sure that you mention runwithit.fm in the connection note when you're sending me a connection request. So this way I know that you heard me on the show and I'll accept you. I love helping people, supporting entrepreneurs. So connect with me on LinkedIn, check out my content, reach out to me, let me know that you heard me here and let's see how I can support you on your journey. I love speaking to people. I coach about a thousand people a year anonymously through the Breakthrough Maze. So I just love adding value to other people and I hope that this added value to you. And if it did, please just send me a quick little note letting me know what you're going to do as a result of this because I get motivated when I hear other people that literally take action. That's what I want to see. Thank you for the conversation. It's been a lot of fun. Very enlightening as well. Really appreciate it. And we will see you next week. Podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash run, that's R-U-N, and get 15% off your first year.